Today, we consider how important it is to have a biblical vision of what God is doing in your life. Don't aim for a smaller goal than the one God has for you. Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman, and my goal is to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. God has a big plan for you. You were created to glorify Him and to build up His church. Don't settle for less than making real efforts to use your gifts for His glory. But first, tomorrow's the big day. If you're listening to Run With Horses on Revelation Radio, you need to know that beginning tomorrow, November 4th, we have a new time and day along with some format changes. We go to the new one-hour format on Saturday, November 4th, at our new time, 6.30 p.m. So starting in November, look for us at Revelation Radio every Saturday night at 6.30 p.m. for an hour-long show. For those who listen to Run With Horses on your favorite podcast player, new episodes will coincide with the radio broadcast and will be available every Saturday night beginning November 4th. Now, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Well, today there's two parts to the show. Stay tuned to the end of the show. I have an interview with Subhas Muthiala of Bibles International for you. However, I'm going to start with a look at God's goal for our lives. What are you aiming for in life? Do you have a goal of what kind of person you can be and how to become that person? What do you hope to accomplish? What will you be remembered for after you die? How does your goal, your vision of life, mesh with God's goal for your life? Well, these are all important questions. And the key to being able to look back and be content with your life is to be intentional about living out the vision that God has for you right now. Make God's vision for your life your vision for your life. I'm going to go over a few things that I believe are important as we think about this vision for life. First, the Bible tells us that you're called for fellowship with God. 1 Corinthians 1, 4-9 says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in Him, in all speech and all knowledge, just as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you eagerly await the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ who will also confirm you to the end, blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. There are other verses, but this is one example of how we are called to have fellowship with God. And you can look in Acts and see how the first church responded to this call. They responded basically by diving into God's Word and really loving each other. Acts 2.42 says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. When we look at this, we should be challenged in how we respond to God's call and the privilege of fellowship. One question you need to ask in addition to the earlier ones is, do I have a vision for fellowship with God? What does that look like? How do I fellowship with God? You have to have the vision first before you can answer the questions practically and come to a conclusion about what that looks like and how you are to pursue that. Well, we're also called for obedience. Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says, Blessed is a person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Well, this is true that we need to know and meditate on God's word, but that's not quite enough. John fourteen fifteen, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
Obedience is a built-in part of knowing what God has to say. James 1, 22 to 25 says, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not just hearers who deceive themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who has looked intently at the perfect law, the law of freedom, and has continued in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an active doer, this person will be blessed in what he does. So very clearly in multiple places, we see that if we really love Jesus, if we really love his word, then we will seek to do it. We will seek to live it out in our life. We will seek to apply it to be a doer, not only a hearer. So along with the question, do I have a vision for what it means to fellowship with God? Do I have a vision for what it means to love God and to to live that out? Part of living that out is in my obedience. So I need to ask the question, do I have a vision for a life lived in obedience to the commands of Jesus? As you look at the New Testament, there are a lot of examples of what this looked like. Uh, I think a good example of looking at the church relationships and how we are to live in that relationship is to consider the one another's of the New Testament. How many times it says, bear one another's burdens, teach one another, comfort one another, encourage one another, love one another. Doing that, practically putting actions to those things is part of this process of being obedient to what Jesus had to say. So do you have a vision for what that looks like? If you're going to have a vision for your life that calls for you to do great things, but they don't, they're not attached to who God is and what God is doing and what he has called us to do, then I think we're going to have problems. So very clearly, we're called for fellowship. We're also called for obedience. And a lot of that obedience, we just mentioned all of us one another, is that call to serve others that we have. First Peter 4.10, as each one of us has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. So God not only called us to know him, to fellowship with him, and to be obedient, but part of that whole relationship with God is lived out in relationship with others, particularly for us as we follow him, to serve others as Jesus served others. And we are equipped for that. We've received gifts as we pursue Jesus, as we... Uh, follow him in, uh, well, first place, faith in him and accept what he has done on the cross and accomplished on our behalf. And we're in right standing with with God. We have received the righteousness of Jesus. Well, we also received the Holy Spirit. And I believe uh, we're prepared then and equipped to serve others. And we're stewards then of this grace of God. So we're to live that out one of the things that we need to have a vision for is a life of serving others. Uh, Acts 20, 35, Paul lifts himself up as an example of what this looks like. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this way, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Giving is built into what it means to be like Jesus. We have that uh, humility and how he came to serve, not to be served. Well, if we're growing in Christ's likeness, we're growing in our ability to serve others. That's part of the call. That's part of the vision. That's part of the goal of God for your life. So again, all of these tie together. 
as you fellowship with God, you get to know him. You get a, an idea of who he is. And we should respond the way the first church did with devoting ourselves to him, his word, but also to each other. That call for obedience to live out the commands of Christ should lead us to serve others. It should lead us to share the good news with others. And as we do that, we're fulfilling part of this vision that God has for who we are. And God uses this process of fellowship with him, fellowship with the church, and serving others to grow us and prepare us for eternity. Now, if you're thinking about this, you probably recognize that that's a very different life than what most people in the world lives. And I think that is actually the goal. It should be very different. One of the things we're called to be is different. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, verse 2 there says that we're not to be conformed to this world. We're to be different. How does that happen? It's a transformation. It's the renewing of our mind. And how does that happen? Well, all that we're looking at here is talking about how God does that transformation. As we fellowship with him, as we get to know him, as we know his word, like the early church in Acts, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to knowing who God is, what he loves, what he hates, what he wants him to do. As we devote ourselves to God's word and to each other, to that fellowship, then our minds are changed. God's word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it helps us to understand the world better. As we're obedient, I think our actions as we line them up with what we believe, with our faith, then our heart changes, our worldview changes. As we are keeping the commandments of Jesus, as we're living that out, as we're serving others, it changes our heart. And what that means is we're different. God's Word changes our mind, our actions change, and we're not like this world. We are not conformed. We are changed. We are different. And I think that's what it it means here as we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. It's a sacrifice presented to do the works that Jesus did, to be in fellowship with God and his family, and to serve those around us, those in the world. So another question, do you have a vision of life lived differently than the world? Or are you like many people and your vision is exactly like the vision of everyone else? You basically are doing what those around you are doing. And your vision is to be like everyone else and to fit in. Well, if that's your vision, that's a little easier, but it's not what God's calling you to do. Ultimately, we can sum all of these up. We are called to be like Jesus. First uh, Peter 2.21 says, For you have been called for this purpose, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you would follow in his footsteps. Okay, that's very clear. This is the purpose you were called for, to follow in the footprints, the footsteps of Jesus. Think about his fellowship with the Father, how he would often get away for time in prayer, and how he says he accomplished not his own will, but the will of the Father. So this is the example that we have. He served others. He did the Father's will. This is the life he lived. So you're called to be like him. 
1 John 2, 3-6 says, By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Knowing him and keeping his commandments, obeying him, are tied together. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep him his commandments, says he's a liar and the truth is not in him. And I think that's two things there. One, he doesn't know him. <laughs> he can't know him if he doesn't keep his commandments. And if he's not keeping his commandments, then he is not fulfilling that call to be like Jesus either. It says, whoever follows his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says that he remains in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. That's our goal, to walk through this life like Jesus. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Again, we're to be imitators of God. And God in the flesh, Jesus, is the one that we're to imitate. He lived that perfect life and taught us how to live on this earth, uh, how to walk, how to relate to other people, uh, how to be in difficult times, how to be in good times, how to uh, disciple others, how to teach them. Uh, he lived the perfect life and was an example in all things. One last Verse I want to read or passage, Romans 8, 28 to 31 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us. Okay, this is a good summary. It includes several things that we've talked about. God called us according to his purpose, and his purpose is that we become conformed to the image of his son so that we we live like him, so follow in his steps, walk as he walks, be imitators of him. And it says that he is able to make us that way. He is able to, uh, it says those he called, he justified, those he justified, he glorified. God is able to accomplish this work, accomplish his purpose. First um, Peter 2, 21. Remember it said, for you have been called for this purpose, to follow in the footprints of Jesus. So as we look at this, this is not a complicated thing to understand. It's very difficult to do, but we go back to Jesus and how did he live? Well, he lived in perfect communion with God the Father. We are called to fellowship with God as Jesus did, uh, to pursue that relationship with the Father, to live out his will here and now. We respond the way the first church did. Jesus obeyed the will of the Father on this earth completely. He accomplished his will. That's our purpose as we uh, follow in the footprints of Jesus we're to obey completely. We're to obey uh, joyfully. I, I think that's where true peace and joy is in the center of God's will. And a lot of the way that that's lived out is in service to others. Jesus came and he accomplished the Father's will. And the Father's will was to make a path for others to approach God. Uh, he lived his life so that others uh, would have that opportunity to be called the family of God. So we are called to have that same kind of heart and service for others. And that's a different way to live. 
So we're called to be different in the way that Jesus was different. He stood out. He had different priorities. He had, had different goals. Uh, he did not act the way that the world did. And that's a good thing. We're to to live that same kind of life. We're to be different. Uh, we're to uh, pursue pursue Jesus, pursue Christ-likeness. So we have to ultimately ask ourselves, do I have a vision for what a life lived like Jesus looks like? It's not always going to be easy. It's probably never going to be easy, but it's super important that we do pursue uh, Jesus in our own life. Going back to the beginning of this, we have to be looking at God's Word. We have to be pursuing it. It's kind of neat then that today I have an interview for you with uh, Subash of Bibles International because it's really important that we have the the Word of God in our language. If you're going to know who God is, if you're going to be able to pursue Him, you have to be able to understand Him and to know Him. So Bibles International has the goal of putting Bibles in the hands of people all over the world in their own language where they can understand it and know who God is so that they can pursue Jesus themselves. So I'm excited for you to hear a little bit about who Subash is and the ministry of Bibles International is certainly worth looking into. So today, keep pursuing Jesus. Pursue that fellowship, pursue that obedience, pursue Christ's likeness, and be encouraged by men like Subhas Muthiala as they serve God by putting God's Word in the hands of people like you so that they can know who He is and live out this life of following Christ so that one day we will rejoice and serve God together with them in eternity. Here is Subhas Muthiala. Okay, I'm here at Faith Baptist Bible College, and they have their Global Reach uh, missions conference, and I've got a, a new friend today from Bibles International, and I'm going to allow him to introduce himself so he can tell where you're from and a little bit about your story. Yeah, my name is Subhash Mutiala. I was born in India, raised here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, fourth generation Christian coming in from India. That's pretty special just because we are a land of many religions, and Hinduism is number one, and Islam is number two. Indians, I mean, Christians are less than 1%, so it's a huge uh, blessing to be part of this small group there, to be able to evangelize and spread the word. Um, grew up here in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, went back to India, did my studies there. Then I came back here and attended Bible College and got my uh, degrees and went back as, uh, that's where I met my wife, Sandra, she's from Uruguay. And we went back to India as missionaries and served there for 15 years and recently came back and uh, started working with Bibles International out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, and that's where we live as well. And Bibles International, uh, please check it out on the website. Uh, it's a phenomenal ministry that they do around the world. We have currently 47 projects going around, and we our focus is to provide the Bible and Scripture in their home language. Uh, the mother tongue, home language, heart language, whatever one, but the language that they connect with and they understand. And so it's hard for the English-speaking world to comprehend that because the moment we're born, you have the English Bible in our hands and you have any version underneath the sun. And there are millions and literally millions of people, especially in the 1040 window in the world of missions, where they do not even have a single scripture portion in their own language. So that's where Bible International comes in 
because to be effective church planters and church ministry overseas as a missionary, uh, eventually you need the Word of God in their language for them to grow. Imagine if you did not have the Word of God in our language, English, and where would we be in our growth? You know, I mean, uh, not too long ago, I mean, if you studied history, we were under, that was a problem with the Catholic Church at that time, you know, everyone was only Latin, and until the, you know, the press came around, and then we started getting the Bible actually into our own language, we realized God's Word. Okay, so one thing that I do a lot on my podcast, we talk a lot about the need to be in God's Word, the need to be reading it and studying it and memorizing it and meditating on it. So as someone who has been both a missionary and now you're working with Bibles International, obviously you understand the importance of God's Word. Do you have advice for someone who says, well, I, I want to read and I have it available. I understand it. I have an app. I have two Bibles at home. I have all these resources, but I still struggle to read consistently. Do you have advice for that person? Maybe motivation, but a little bit of how to. If someone's struggling to be consistent, do you have recommendations for that person? Like everything in life, and especially since I come from the East, discipline is a huge uh, component of that. And it's ma mind over matter, they say, right? You got to make that choice to make a decision, just like anything in life that you make a commitment, whether it's with your girlfriend or whether it's going to be, uh, I mean, your spouse or marriage or your commitment to the invisible, sovereign, living God. You want to grow in any relationship. It's a two-way street. And you have to communicate through prayer. And God already communicates through us, through His Word. And without that relationship, without that uh, medium, one is not going to grow strong or develop a relationship. Relationship takes time. Relationship takes hard work. Relationship takes discipline. And so you have to, just like you are disciplined to wake up and go to work or studies or same way you're disciplined to eat regularly and healthy. This has to be a part of your steady diet as a believer, as a Christian. You have to make it a priority, and that discipline has to come in. And once you start on it, it becomes second nature. It becomes a routine, and it becomes a part of who you are. And that is where you're going to grow uh, spiritually and, and spiritual maturity in your walk in understanding who God is. And the more we know who God is, is the more we're going to love Him and worship Him. Uh, I always go back to Deuteronomy and in Matthew where it talks about, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, right? People often ask, what is to mean to love God? Ultimately, to love God is to obey Him. And how are you going to obey Him if you don't know what He's saying, what He's communicating? So we need that. And without that, it just becomes a namesake. Then we're no different than the rest of the world. Yeah, exactly. And I know that's one of the things we say all the time. We have to know who God is. We have to know God, what God loves, what God hates. And then I want to be obedient to what He says. Absolutely. So, okay, similar question, but a little bit different. Someone who's like a new believer, yeah. and they, they're just, maybe have just bought a Bible or have just been given one as a new believer, and they're looking to start. Uh, do you have a recommendation for starting? So they don't have a background, and they might need that first advice, I'm getting started. Yeah. Since I, again, come from the East, I grew up here in the West, but I come from the East and ministered in the East and ministered on the West as well. And so I tend to look at things from a global perspective. Uh, I tend to pride myself in the sense like I'm a, a product of two worlds, two uh, different uh, aspects of the world. 
right? The East and the West, where we meet in between. Uh, the Eastern way of approach, and I think this is more healthy and beneficial, is to start with Genesis. Because you're following those scriptures chronologically, and then you understand. We're very uh, story-oriented and narrative-oriented on that side of the world. So it's easier to follow the development of how God has chosen the people and taken the people on this journey until we come to the body of Christ in the New Testament with the church. Right? And so it, it just makes more sense and flow. From the West, I think uh, because we think more analytically and intellectually, and we break down things and concepts and uh, our way of thinking is more different in that sense, going straight to the New Testament and understanding who Jesus is and studying what Christ has done and then flipping back, always referring back to the New Test Old Testament, going back and forth, whether it's Moses or Abraham and so forth and all those uh, stories of the prophets, uh, I think it's more natural for the West to be able to study like that and uh, understand scripture. But I think on the East, it's more chronological in right. a more of a biblical fashion rather than a systematic fashion. Right. And I do think that in the United States, it's changing as we culturally change and get further away from that background where you have more and more people who didn't grow up in the church and don't know the story. So I know one of the things I recommend, it's the same thing as start chronologically, but to make it easier for a new believer, uh, you can look up online and find the stories of the Bible listed chronologically, yeah. so you can skip some things in Leviticus. Exactly. No, you know, no, I absolutely. always tell people, no. you can get bogged down in Leviticus, but no. but yes, chronologically go through the stories, and then when you get to Jesus, exactly. right, exactly. And then Jesus, when Jesus comes onto the picture in the New Testament, it comes alive. You know, it makes more sense. And you're right, the U.S., we're losing ground on that. In fact, uh, we're assuming in churches that people under, uh, oh, they know Moses and they know Abraham and they know all these stories of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And not so. And it's not. And so we need to go back to the basics and really, you know, help them understand. And you, like you said, the story format, I think, is ultimately the, shares and tells the story of Jesus and his love, you know. Okay, I have one last question then. Do you have a favorite passage or a verse, something you'd consider, like, I have a life first. I would say for me, uh, you know, Colossians 1, uh, 28 and 29, it's kind of my, my life first. I share that here some, but do you have something that you really go back to and helps keep you motivated and, and focused? I do. Um, well, let's start with my favorite verse is always Isaiah 40, 31. Mount, as, uh, mount, up, you know, mount up as wings of eagles, right? And renew your strength. So I love that one, of course. But when I look at my calling, it tends to be Jeremiah chapter 1 through 5, where Jeremiah talks about uh, how he was called into the ministry. But uh, my current one that I generally use for ministry has always been to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And because to me, once we figure that out, everything else should fall into place because the love of God is your driven force, driving force. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for uh, talking to me today. Absolutely. My pleasure, Norm. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today. If you have questions or comments about today's show, email me at norman at runwithhorses.net or look up the Run With Horses Facebook page. Wherever you are, whoever you are, God doesn't intend for you to run the race alone. Invest in those around you and look for fellow travelers on the road toward Jesus. It may be a long road, but keep running.